Good afternoon, Rob Port, 970 WDYAM 93.1 FM, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329, email talk at WDYAM.com. I was getting busy there. We have uh, questions rolling in already because it's Wednesday, and that means Congressman Kevin Kramer's uh, going to be on the uh, on the program uh, taking your questions. That's happening at 1.30, and what I've been doing ahead of time, it's been working great uh, to facilitate questions because I know sometimes a lot of people listen to Eric via the I, I hadn't even thought about this for Congressman Kramer's uh, open phone segments when he comes on. Uh, I hadn't thought about A lot of people listen to this show on the podcast. And so, so they're not listening live, and so they can't necessarily like email. It's, it's not real easy for them to email in their questions or or whatever live while we've got them on. So I've been putting it out on social media on Facebook, so that way people can can throw up their questions, and then you know we'll, we'll get to their question when he's on, and then when they listen later, they can listen to his question get answered. So uh, I've I've been putting up. If you're not my friend on Facebook, you can track me down. Um, and, uh, you could, you can, I, I put up a, 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 an open, an open thread. Basically, uh, you can ask your questions there. If you find me on Twitter, you could tweet your questions to me at Rob Port, or of course, when the Congressman's on as he is uh, pretty much every Wednesday at one thirty, uh, you could call in 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Uh, and of course, email talk at wday.com. We, um, it's uh, it's 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 been great. I, I I like having the congressman on. I wish Senator Heitkamp would come on and do something different. I've made the offer. I I email her office every Monday, even trying to just get an interview. Um, they don't ever respond to me because Senator Heitkamp I I think doesn't like coming to a place where she might get some some tough questions. Um, and 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 by the way, I I was just actually when I was on Twitter, I I saw somebody was was being critical of of Congressman Kramer's talk radio town halls and says that. That, that callers uh, get screened or they get dropped or they get cut short or whatever, uh, that doesn't happen. No, you know, no, no. We're, we're not we're not screening anybody. Uh, I mean, I I recognize names, right? I mean, any any radio show we have regular callers, and I recognize them, and I, I realize some that are probably, uh, you know, going to be more no- negative towards Kramer or, or the other. But we don't do anything to screen them. You know, we fit in everybody we have time for. Uh, usually we get, I, I'm trying to remember the time when we didn't get to all the calls. I, I think, I think maybe last week there was one call right at the end. We just, just didn't, we went way over. We just didn't have time. There's no, that's the one constraint is there's no getting around the radio schedule, right? When it's time for a break, we, we just, we gotta go to a break. Sometimes right. I'll push the, I'll push the envelope a little bit, but, uh, you know, we don't, we don't screen anything. You know, we don't, I, I ask the zingers, uh, and I, and, and everything. So, you know, that's that's the tough thing. But anyway, yeah, like I said, Congress, it's Wednesday, so Congressman Kramer will be on at one thirty. You can certainly get your questions in. Also coming up at 1 o'clock, uh, Ed Schaefer is going to be on the program. And um, he uh, just a uh, former governor, former uh, 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 secretary of agriculture. He's going to be on, and uh, we'll talk with him, get his uh, point of view on, um, you know, on how all the races are looking, just sort of as, a, as an elder statesman in, uh, in North Dakota politics. Um all right, so I've been I spent the whole morning, Eric, watching the um, watching the, uh, the the Kavanaugh hearings continue to unfold. Uh, which it, they've been a lot. There's been a lot. It's been a lot less of a circus today. A little bit more cordial. A, a little well, cordial, um, but yet still a little bit less. Just less. I, I would I would say it's cordial. Um, but it, it, it's not quite the circus that it was yesterday. There's been some protests. There's been some people standing up and screaming. Here's the thing that I don't understand 
about the people standing up and screaming during the um standing up and screaming during the thing who are you persuading right who who is watching it and watch you stand up and scream and then says gosh this Kavanaugh guy must be a real jerk because that idiot that's in the crowd screaming um, has, has sure persuaded me to their their point of view. Do you think that ever happens? No, no, it's it's never happened in an argument that I've tried and it's never happened with somebody trying to argue with me. It's just not right. going to happen. Right. He's just like, like a show, fool. Right. Yeah, like I, I mean, if anything, I, I think it goes the other way. I mean, I think I, I think what's probably more possible, if anything's going to happen, is that someone's going to watch that and think, "You can't even let the guy talk. You're, you're so afraid of this guy, you can't ever even let him answer a question. You can't ever even let him be asked a question." And it's interesting, by by the way, they don't interrupt the, the Democratic senators who are asking questions, right? That's not when, when at least anecdotally when i was when i've been watching the and i've had it on the television uh you know the last couple of days uh watching i i, I don't usually watch cable news eric but with the, the the hearings going on that's the best place to tune in um and it's 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 never during the democratic senators right it's it's never while while they're talking it's always while um the republicans are asking questions i i i just i don't i don't think the democrats have helped themselves with that stuff I think if anything, what they've done is they've made Kavanaugh look more sympathetic, which is obviously contrary to their their goals. They don't want the guy to be confirmed. They don't want him to sit on the U.S. Supreme Court. Well, I can tell you, going into the committee room and screaming and shouting people down, um, if, if anything, I think is creating sympathy for the guy among people who, who might not have been sympathetic to begin with. So I, I don't know. Just a, just a stupid thing. I, I, I don't understand what they're accomplishing i mean i i didn't understand i mean you you talk about we had a caller yesterday compare you know what they were doing at the kavanaugh hearing to the dakota access pro uh pipeline protest i don't think that helped the environmentalist movement right i mean the i i, I think the left is, is busy trying to sort of rewrite the history around it and turn that protest into something that it wasn't um it's it's interesting i actually saw the aclu of montana i was reading an article yesterday because they were planning some um and they're getting ready, ready to build the Keystone XL pipeline. And, and authorities in Montana are getting ready for Dakota Access Pipeline-style protests against that pipeline project. And so the ACLU of Montana, you know, they come in and they say, well, we don't, want, we don't want to see Montana authorities, you know, treat these poor protesters the way North Dakota authorities did. And I'm thinking to myself, North Dakota authorities were dealing with a bunch of violent criminals i mean the, the the people who who trespassed the people who i mean and i'm not all not all the protesters were that way some of them were just there to speak their minds and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that i don't agree with them but they have first amendment rights but a a, a, a very large faction of those protesters vandalized equipment they set bulldozers and, and excavators on fire they uh they, they blocked highways they trespassed on private property they vandalized private property they went up into bismarck at one point the protesters tried to block uh, a, a railway. They said a they set a truck on fire, and then parked it across the uh, across the railroad tracks in Mandan. I mean, this that's what was happening. That sort of stuff is indefensible. 
I mean, you, you want to know why Democrats here in North Dakota don't talk about the Dakota Access Pipeline protest? Nationally, Democrats will talk about it. But here in North Dakota, they don't talk about it because the people who saw those protests up close and personal, the people who saw those protests not filtered through, you know, s- sort of sympathetic national media coverage knew exactly what it was. It was a gang of, of, of political extremists who, uh, you know, perpetrated acts of violence trying to stop a legal process to build a pipeline. I have nothing. I have nothing against people who oppose pipelines. I, I typically don't agree with them. I think it's a product we all use, and I think pipelines are the safest way to, to transport that that product. But I can agree with them. I don't have anything wrong with somebody taking a principled stand and expressing a point of view on a political topic. Nothing wrong with that. I do have a problem if you're trying to express a political point of view by being disruptive, by being a bully. You know, we're just we're just accepting of this stuff as normal now. Like this is just a tactic. The Democrats at the Kavanaugh hearing, the Democrats on the committee was confirmed yesterday over the Labor Day weekend, held a a, a conference and coordinated with left wing groups to coordinate the protests at the committee hearing to disrupt the committee hearing. It's just it's just it's just amazing. Um, it's it's and it's unfortunate. And I, I, I hate that stuff like that is being normalized. Uh, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329, email talk at WDAY.com. So that's been frustrating to watch uh, today as well. Um, the other thing that I wanted to hit on is, because um, I wanted to get that out of the way. Oh, did you did you watch this news? This was really interesting. Did you see the guy, this Jeffrey Owens? It's been in the news the last couple days, but I wanted to hit on it. Was he the, the Cosby Show Cosby actor? Show guy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he played, uh, I don't know who he played. I, I never watched. I'm a little too young to have spent a lot of time watching the Cosby show. He was, um, he, he was, uh, Bill Cosby's character's son-in-law. So, son-in-law. What, so he played a, like the boyfriend and then I think they got married yep. and then he was the son-in-law. Yeah. Yep. Uh, they, they caught him. He was, he was working checkout or bagging groceries or something at Trader Joe's. And somebody found out about it, told the news media, the news media reported it. And, and initially the reports were all. Oh, look at how look at the hard times this guy's fallen on. Right? Like like kind of a negative thing. Like, oh, this poor guy. You know, now he's you know, he was once on a on a hit network sitcom and now he's bagging groceries. And his response was fantastic. I mean his response was, Don't shame me. I'm happy. I had great opportunities, uh, and now this is what I gotta do to make ends meet. You know, this is where I'm at, but don't shame me for it. Right. I mean, what's, what's he, I mean, what, what would you rather this guy be doing? Like sitting at home complaining about how he can't find any acting jobs anymore? That's what you'd prefer? Right? He's at a point in his life, uh, you know, I don't I don't know what's going on. It sounds like he's got some opportunities now of all this, this media attention he's gotten, and that's wonderful. I hope he's successful with it. Uh, but at that, I, apparently he was having trouble getting acting gigs, so this is what he had to do to make ends meet. And you know what? Good on him. That's the kind of person you want to be. You know, we should be admiring this guy. I, I wish, I'm, I'm sure he wishes he was more prosperous. I wish he was more prosperous. I don't wish ill on him at all. But you know what? If you reach that point in your life, it should be what you're willing to do. It's just, I, I, did you see Terry? Terry Crews had a, uh, had a great response to this. Um, he, he posted on Twitter. He goes, I swept floors after the NFL. If need be, I'd do it again. Good, honest work is nothing to be ashamed of. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we just got to put everybody down. I mean, you that's that's what America has become. You got to put somebody down to build yourself up. Look at this yeah. guy. I mean, he was so 
so popular, and, and now he's a nothing, just sweeping you know, floors. I, I was I was having a conversation with somebody. They were talking about gossip or whatever, and I was doing some googling. Uh, there was a there was some research, and it was it was a paper published with the National Institutes of Health, and it said that that negative gossip like activates the pleasure centers of the brain, though. Like people, there's a reason why celebrity gossip, right, where they have like the ugly pictures of the um, of, of the celebrity or, or, or some negative, like they have a drinking problem or they're getting divorced or whatever it is. And it just, it activates the play. Like people just enjoy that. Mm-hmm. It sells, uh, you know, and it's, it's just, it's kind of unfortunate. But I, I just thought that was such a great thing. Um, I thought his response to it was great. Uh, good on this guy. Don't be ashamed. You know, if you get to a point where you're bagging groceries, hey, at least you're still trying. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of like making a making fun of the, the you know the, the the fat guy at the gym, right? Like you're making oh look at this fatty trying to work out. What you know what? He knows there's a problem. He's actively trying to address it, and you're making fun of him for it. You know, we just we we got to cut crap like that out. So anyway, that was such a great story. I or at least it was a great how that story turned out. I thought that was wonderful. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back. Rob Report 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, okay, so we, we were talking about the Jeffrey Owens story, and I think that's um, I think that's a, a fun story. I'm glad how that turned out. The other the other story that kind of caught my attention, and I think it's a cautionary tale. Um, it's the story of Johnny Bobbitt. He's the homeless guy, and the the couple started the GoFundMe account for him, and they ended up going viral, and they raised like four hundred thousand dollars for the dude. Oh yeah, I remember. You been following the story? Yep. And then he came out. Uh, Johnny, and and by the way, this this Bobak, I mean, he's homeless because he's he's got what what seems to be a pretty severe drug problem. Uh, but he says, you know, he they, they did buy him some of the stuff, you know, some stuff with the money. He wanted a camper, you know, for some shelter and a and a SUV, I guess, to get around. Uh, so they bought him some things like that. Uh, but then he was saying, you know, they weren't letting him access a lot of the money. And the couple who started the GoFundMe account. They came out and said, well, you know, we didn't want to let him access the money because he's a drug addict and, you know, we're afraid that he's going to just go crazy and kill himself and, you know, be irresponsible with the money, which might make sense to a point, except now, did, did, did you hear, it sounds like all the money's gone. Like at one point, I guess the, the, the couple, uh, it's, and it's a um, Kate McClure and Mark D'Amico, the, this D'Amico guy had been saying there was a couple hundred thousand bucks left out of the uh, out of the money uh now you know a judge came out though and said okay well let's let's get what remains well, well you know because um bobbitt got an attorney and he filed a lawsuit and everything uh a judge said okay well let's let's get all this money in in, in into some neutral party hands right and and then we'll you know adjudicate you know where the money's going to go or where it's going to be um and so the judge ordered that and so obviously you know this this couple have to has to turn the money over uh, and now all of a sudden they're saying there's there's none of the money left. There's no money left. There's supposed to be a couple hundred thousand dollars left, and and now apparently the lawyer for the homeless man because it, it was it was um, he was supposed to be in charge of the escrow fund where this money was going to be held until the lawsuit was over. Uh, he says he's been told there's none of the money left. So they raised they they went out and they put on GoFundMe 
and raised $400,000 for this guy. Uh, they spent about $75,000 on him. And the homeless guy accuses them of taking vacations and going gambling and everything. Um, supposedly, they were telling the media there's a couple hundred thousand dollars left. Now they're saying there's nothing. So are, are, are we to assume that, that the couple did that or, or did, yeah. did the guy, the homeless guy well, do the, that? Well, he didn't, have access, to the, he did he didn't have access to the account. Okay. So it sounds like the couple spent all the money. I mean, that's the implication here. And I'm just I'm thinking about this story because there's a lot of these GoFundMe things around. Oh yeah, everywhere. And it um, it's 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 just it's it's everywhere. And I always think about stewardship of that money, right? I mean, if it's because I see it all the time that you know we're raising money, somebody got you know needs a new kidney, somebody's got cancer, somebody died. I mean, there's a lot of stuff, and you want to help. The stewardship of that money. If, if I could give a little bit of advice, if you're in that situation and you're raising money, I mean, you you got to be transparent about it. I, I think we need to be really careful about a lot of these GoFundMe things. And I, I think that if you ever if you ever decide that you're going to raise money for somebody, I think what you need to make sure you're doing is like you put that money in the hands of like some disinterested third party, or you 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 route the money directly to the the cause or the person that you're helping what you don't want to be is in a position where you could be accused whether it's fairly or unfairly of uh, having mingled that money with your own money because i'm telling you you can open up a world of hurt for you caller karen you're on what's up yes this demonstrates why the family who has the little girl because her mother was killed and they said Giving donations would only be at a certain bank. I think it was U.S. Bank, but it doesn't matter. Just no other uh, donation places, just that their account in the one bank. And they were very wise to do that. Yeah. No, I, I think that's the way. And I think what you've also got to be is transparent. Because once it's in the bank, you want to be transparent about all the transactions coming into and out of that account so that, you know, it's it's just it's a tricky business, and I'm telling you, the, the the most well-intentioned campaigns can go sideways real quick if there's even a hint that you know money got used inappropriately or was diverted from from the original cause to which it's donated. Uh, not only can you earn the enmity of maybe a lot of your friends and relatives, uh, but you can find yourself in legal hot water too real quick. So just a just a sad story. I mean, this couple started out trying to help. Uh, they got more money, I think, than they ever imagined. Um, and, and you know what? I mean, what, whatever you think, I mean, and obviously this this homeless guy, I mean, he's got a drug problem and everything, but if people were donating the money to help him, that's where the money should go. And you know what? If he squanders it, then I guess I guess that's the decision he makes. But, I mean, at some point, you, you don't just get to be, and you certainly don't get to spend the money on yourself if, if indeed that's what they did. Karen, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, let's take a break. We'll come back. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Congressman Kevin Kramer's got a provocative new ad uh, hitting Senator Heitkamp on abortion featuring his pregnant daughter. We'll talk about that a little bit. Coming up after the break. Don't go away. Welcome back. We're on Report 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM. Last segment we were talking about this story uh, with the, uh, the homeless man, Johnny Bobbitt. Uh, where the, um, and the, the whole thing, I mean, I, I should have gone, maybe I'm, I'm thinking people have been following this story more than they have. If you haven't been following, 
what happened was is is the the woman um the female half of of the couple that's that's maybe now in some hot water over this uh her name is Kate McClure uh, she was driving into was it oh uh she was driving into Philadelphia and she ran out of gas uh she ran out of gas in kind of a tough area and this this guy uh this Johnny Bobbitt who is um is a uh, was was a homeless man uh, saw her uh, he went up to the car and, and found out she needed gas. So he said, you know, lock your doors. I'll take a gas can. I'll go get you some gas. Spent $20 of his own money to get her gas. Uh, brought the gas back to her. Put it in her in a, in a tank. And, and you know, I guess it was like his last $20 or something like that. But anyway, uh, this guy did her a solid. She was in a bad situation. He helped her out. And so that's why she created the GoFundMe account for him. The story went viral. Uh, and a, hundreds of thousands of dollars donated to the GoFundMe account, but now they're fighting because Johnny Bobbitt, and, and I, I think at this point we could say has has credibly uh, accused the couple of, of diverting a lot of the money to their, their own interest, or at least at this point it seems like there's a significant amount of money missing that we don't know where it went yet. Um, so anyway, as that story unfolds, Dwayne emails, and he goes, it's stories like this that hurt. I rarely turn down a GoFundMe campaign, $10 here or $20 there. I never said no. Now I will rarely, if ever, give a dime unless I personally know the the organizer. And um, I'll, I'll say, I mean, I, I, I hate to say this because I like the idea of helping people, Eric, but I'll tell you, people asking me for money for GoFundMe campaigns or whatever, unless I know them, uh, or unless, unless it's like some, some you know, well-respected, well-established charitable organization, uh, I don't. I don't give them my money. And you hear of people trying to do this after a, a major news event or something like that, where where something bad happens and they're setting up a fund and and people setting up fake funds that have a, a close name to it or or something like that, and and again, just taking people's money. Well, I could tell you during the Dakota Access Pipeline protests, there was at one point I went through and just reviewed. Um, just what was publicly available on sites like GoFundMe and Indiegogo and, and a lot of those those crowdfunding sites, um, I went and found hundreds of, of accounts that had raised mi- not millions of dollars in the aggregate, millions and millions of dollars in the aggregate. That's just what was publicly available. Public, and I, I went, created a big spreadsheet, um, calculated it all up. I think at the time it was north of like $11 million dollars that I found that had been donated. But the thing though, is, is you drilled down and, and some of these, some of these were pretty sketchy, Eric. I mean, they just had to mention, you know, the hashtag, no dapple, or just mention Dakota access and they'd get a couple of thousand donations. Sure. You know, um, I mean, think about it. That's not, I mean, you set up a quick account, uh, you throw it out there, people find it, donate a couple thousand bucks. I mean, that's a pretty big return on investment. So I'm just saying, be careful where you're giving your money to in, in areas like. Got to do your homework. Yeah. All right. Let's keep moving. Uh, there's new polling out. You know. You know what? We don't spend a lot of time talking about it. There is a race for the United States House of Representatives in North Dakota this year. Well, there's there's one every cycle because the House gets elected every cycle. But um, we don't spend a lot of time talking about the House race. It's it just it seems like every other statewide race in North Dakota gets overshadowed by the Senate race. Uh, but in the House race, there's new polling out today. Uh, Republican Kelly Armstrong, of course, is running 
uh, Democratic Max Schneider is his uh, Democratic candidate. Max Schneider is his opponent. Um, it's the uh, seat that's being vacated by uh, Congressman Kevin Kramer, of course, is running for the Senate. Uh, and he can't run for two offices at the same time. Although somebody was asking me about that. Did you know that when um, um, Paul Ryan was on the presidential ticket when he was Mitt Romney's VP candidate, uh, he simultaneously ran for the U.S. House of Representatives? That's how he was able to go back to the House of Representatives after after they lost. So he had a backup plan. Good for he him. Did. Yeah, they, he ran in both races. He won his House race and they lost the VP race. Um, so I guess you could do that. You can't run for the Senate and the House at the same time, though. I think that's – if you do, I feel like we, we should all just automatically vote against you because that's too cute by half. So anyway, these two are running for the U.S. House race. Uh, there was a poll put out, and, and to be absolutely clear about this, the poll was commissioned by the Armstrong campaign, um, but they, uh, they commissioned a pollster. Um, it's the Access – it's Access Research is the name of the uh, the polling firm, uh, and they've I mean they've 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 got a pretty good reputation, but commissioned by the Armstrong campaign, so I think immediately you got to take the results with a, a grain of salt. That said, uh, what they found is fifty three percent of North Dakotans saying that they're going to vote for Kelly Armstrong. Fifty three percent of likely voters are who they they polled. Thirty two percent saying that they're going to vote for Max Schneider. Um, now the Armstrong campaign released a poll from the same organization. Uh, earlier this year, and in that poll back in June, uh, it showed um, Armstrong leading Schneider 48 to 26. So both candidates have gone up by five to six points, uh, but pretty much it's the same race. You know, Armstrong at this point's got a 20 point, 21 point lead over the over the Democrat uh, Max Schneider. Um, I will say because again, this is this is a, a poll campaigned commissioned by the campaign itself you know so you take it with a grain of salt uh but when you start when you put another data point in there um valley news live commissioned a a poll from mason dixon which is an independent polling firm again pretty well respected uh their polling was conducted back in june Uh, their polling showed armstrong at 46 schneider at 35 now that was back in june uh but it was just a month after the first access research poll uh and it pretty much showed just about almost identical results i mean if anything uh the, the mason dixon showed schneider doing a little bit better but i i look at these i look at this polling from the, the the armstrong campaign and i think again eric anytime it's the campaign putting out polling numbers grain assault time but when it fits in with with an independent poll when they're kind of saying the same thing they're kind of in the same ballpark i think you got to take it seriously um i think most people see this and i was i was just reading uh from 538.com there was a um they, they're putting it the north dakota's at-large house race one in 12 chance 8.4 percent chance the democrat wins that house race 11 and 12 chance 91.6 percent chance uh kelly armstrong wins uh, so i think there's a reason most people see this as a uh, a likely republican victory and you've said before that um the polls open very soon. Early voting is uh, is going to open soon. Later this month. Uh, the 27th, I think, is the first day you can get an absentee ballot. Okay. So, yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the voting is going to begin very, very soon. And you also got to remember, in a lot of rural areas, too, uh, they do vote by mail. Um, I was just actually reading my my county up here, Ward County, um, outside of, of the city of Minot, they're doing, uh, they're doing vote by mail. 
So, you know, that's that's just another way. A lot of people in rural areas don't necessarily go to the polls on Election Day. They vote early. And as a trend, I just saw where the Secretary of State's office uh, sent out the numbers. In fact, I, I've actually been tracking the percentage of people who vote um, who vote early by mail. And uh, it's it's been growing in the state of North Dakota. So that's something uh, it's, it's been very, very interesting um, in, in, in the state. And it's it's something you've, you've got to remember, shortens the timelines of these campaigns. Now, I realize, Eric, that <laughs> saying that the campaigns are getting shorter, I don't think it feels that way to anybody. But uh, certainly it's been it, 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 it has say, seemed that way. Uh, let's see. I can tell you that in uh, 2016, uh, 24.63% of people voted early. So out of the, the percentage of the total number of people have voted, about a quarter of them voted early. Uh, 2014, it was 19.1%. Uh, you go back to the 28, uh, 2008 uh, presidential election, it was about 23.5%. So that's, I mean, it, the trend has been upwards in early voting. So it's just something, it's, it's, it's changed the dynamic of these races. I mean, these races are shorter now. Uh, or at least the, the the amount of time that you have, uh, you know, votes up for grabs. But still, seventy five percent vote on election day. So that's that's still a big chunk. But. Doesn't matter when you vote; you just got to do it. Yeah, you got to yeah, do it. You should vote. Although I will say, I do will dispute the idea that you got to do it. If you haven't been paying attention, like if you're just going to show up and vote randomly, don't vote. Do us all a favor and stay home. Don't cancel out my well considered vote uh, because you just showed up and you don't really know what you're doing. No, and also, I, no Homer Simpson write-ins. Is that right. what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm just, yeah. I mean, if you're just gonna go there and make a mockery of it, don't do it. I'm not saying you have to agree with me to vote. Like, if you feel like you've put in the time, you understand the candidates, uh, and you want to make your voice heard, great, go vote. Whatever your position is, but please don't cancel out my well-considered vote by going in and just voting randomly. And also, something a lot of people forget: uh, you don't have to vote for every race on the ballot. Like, if there's some obscure local race and you don't actually know the people in charge, don't just fill in, right? You don't you don't have to vote. If you don't feel comfortable, if you don't know the issue, if you don't know the people voting, you don't have to vote on every single thing on the ballot either. A lot of people don't know that. They feel like if you leave blank spots, it might invalidate your ballot. It doesn't. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. This is the Rob Report, 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back. Rob Report, 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM. The other news out of the congressional races, and by the way, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit more about the races in North Dakota with uh, former Governor Ed Schaefer coming up in the uh, next hour. Uh, and of course, Congressman Kevin Kramer will be joining us for his weekly open phone segment uh, at 1.30. Uh, there's an open thread on my Facebook page if you want to check that out. Put your questions for him there. Uh, you can certainly call in to 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, the other big news in the congressional races today um, in addition to the AARP, uh, have you seen that ad that says that, that Kevin Kramer sold out North Dakotans? Yes. The um, That ad cites the AARP. Uh, today, the AARP put out a press release distancing themselves from that ad, uh, saying that they did they don't endorse candidates. They're not they're not endorsing anyone or opposing anyone in the Senate race. Uh, here's what they said. Uh, I quote. AARP did not authorize the majority forward sponsored political ad, and we did not participate in its production. AARP does not endorse candidates or make contributions to political campaigns or candidates. We have a proud 32-year history of nonpartisan voter engagement, providing voters with information on where the candidates stand on issues important to our members and their families so they can make their own decisions on Election Day. 
Um, so that's um, that's their statement. They're distancing themselves from that ad. Uh, meanwhile, Congressman uh, Kramer's got a new ad out. And in this ad, it features his daughters, uh, one of whom is currently pregnant. And they go after Senator Heitkamp for her vote against late-term abortion. Uh, she voted to filibuster a, a late-term abor- abortion bill. Um, was it earlier this year or was it last year? Now I'm forgetting when the, the vote even took place. But it's that infamous one where she kind of looks like she high-fives Mitch, uh, um, uh, Chuck Schumer after the vote. Like they, they announced her vote that she voted no on the bill and then high-fived him. What's interesting about the ad, and the ad's provocative. I mean, using your pregnant daughter in an ad, and, and actually I had, we already have a, a question in for Congressman Kramer, uh, who says that uh, using his daughter as a political prop is in poor taste. We'll ask him about that. Um, I don't know how I feel. I, 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 I don't have a problem. I mean, his daughter's a grown-up. If she wants to be in an ad touting her dad, you know, so be it. He's not. I, I, I think to suggest that Congressman Kramer's using his daughter is to pretend like she's not an adult capable of making her own decisions. If she wants to be in an ad supporting her dad, so be it. Um, that said, what's interesting to me, The Atlantic uh, did a report about the ad. And in it, they, they pointed out, and I had actually forgotten this, the Senator Heitkamp actually in her 2012 Senate campaign, uh, she argued that late-term abortion should be illegal, quote, except when necessary to save the life of the mother. Yet in 2015, she voted to filibuster a bill that would ban abortions after the fifth month of pregnancy. As the Weekly Standard's John McCormick reported at that time, when he attempted to ask her about this, this seeming change of heart, Heitkamp, quote, refused to talk about it. That's pretty interesting. I didn't realize that she had flip-flopped on her position on late-term abortions. And again, I, I mean, to me at this point, I, I feel like like opposing late-term abortions, not that controversial anymore. I mean, outside of, of maybe the, the hothouse of, of politics, I think most people, you know, given modern medicine and modern technology and everything, uh, if you don't know, you know, 20 weeks, after 20 weeks, after after five months, roughly, if you don't know, I mean, if you you know you're pregnant by that time, and you should have made a decision by that time of whether or not you're you're going to have an abortion, uh, and if you haven't made the decision by that point, you know, it, it, I mean, it's it's there, there's still plenty of time there for choice. So I don't, it, it's not even that controversial a piece of policy. As a matter of fact, Senator Heitkamp herself supported it in 2012. So why did she oppose it later? I don't know. She's not taking questions about it. Maybe she should. She's got a habit of not taking questions she doesn't like. So anyway, we'll be right back. This is the Rob Report, 970 WDYM, 93.1 FM. Former Governor Ed Schaefer on next. Don't go away. Welcome back. Rob Report, 970 WDYM, 93.1 FM. Happy to be with you. Here to talk with me is uh, former North Dakota Governor Ed Schaefer, former uh, United States Secretary of Agriculture under George W. Bush, former president of the University of North Dakota. And I'm, I'm sure I'm missing quite a few things off of your resume, but I feel like I hit the high points there. Hey, good afternoon, Rob. Good to talk. I'm I'm worried you're taking up too much time on my resume. You know, we don't need to talk about that stuff. That's in the past. Yeah, well, we wanted to talk. I mean, you've you've uh, you've run a campaign or two in North Dakota. Some of them successful, some of them not successful. Uh, and you, um, you, I, I, I think I think are, are an astute observer at this point. Of uh, obvi- obviously, you're a Republican, and obviously, you're a uh, 
you're a fan of, of Republicans winning office. I know you're supporting Kevin Kramer for the United States Senate. I know you're supporting Kelly Armstrong for the United States House. Uh, but that being said, I, I think you usually offer a pretty candid point of view. So let's, uh, you know, what, let's let's start with the House race first. Uh, there was just the um, the Armstrong campaign release of polling that they commissioned today. It shows uh, Kelly with a, a 21 point lead over Democrat uh, Max Schneider. Um, it lines up with two previous polls that we've seen that, that show pretty similar results. Uh, one, including one, an independent media poll from from Mason Dixon. Um, what's what's your sense of that race? I I feel like arms. It's not getting a lot of attention. I feel like Armstrong's got that one in hand. Well, you know, it's pretty quiet. And uh, my only advice on those kinds of things: if you believe your own polls, you're going to lose the election. <laughs> so. You know, yeah. when you do your own polls and you get your own numbers and you start throwing them out there, then you start taking things for granted, which is never a good idea. Uh, you know, the reality is, um, you know, both those campaigns uh, started late. Both, uh, excuse me, both candidates, you know, started late in the game um, after the Republican conventions uh, they and the Democratic convention. Then they, you know, then they moved forward. So it's been quiet over the summer, which is not unusual. And now over these last two months... Uh, till the election in November, we'll, we'll hopefully start seeing, you know, the the contrast between the two individuals. And I think, you know, that's where we're going to see, because <clears throat> both Max Schneider and Kelly Armstrong served in the uh, North Dakota legislature. Um, you know, you've got one Westerner, one Easterner. You've got one kind of, um, you know, positioned as the, as the rural business guy and the other positioned as the legal uh, government guy, you know, so we're starting to see some contrast, but I agree. I think it's been very quiet. And given that situation, Kelly Armstrong in a Republican state with uh, with voters over the last several election cycles voting strongly Republican over Democrats, I think you have to give at this point in time the race to Kelly Armstrong. I, I think you're right. It's been interesting to me. That Max Schneider, that, that there hasn't been more attention. I rem, I'm thinking back to the Democratic State Convention. I know that Heidi Heitkamp's political allies at that convention, I know because multiple sources confirmed it to me, they pushed very, very hard to get Max Schneider into that House race. Ben Hansen was the uh, former state lawmaker. Ben Hansen of West Fargo was the other candidate. Uh, but the Heitkamp people pushed hard to get Schneider in there. And, and I always thought that there was – they were going to use Schneider as kind of a kind of a running mate, like we see in the gubernatorial races, where you have the governor and the lieutenant governor, and it's kind of a kind of a one-two punch thing. That's what I thought, I, and I don't see any evidence of that. I mean, I, I think Schneider, like you said, it's been very quiet. I expected Schneider to be a more aggressive campaigner, I guess. Well, what's what's interesting is where you see those contrasts, and I think the reason the Height Camp campaign and Heidi herself were pushing Max Schneider is, first of all. You know, families, longtime Republican office holders, pushers, um, operatives, uh, excuse me, Democrat, you know, um, uh, family. It's a Democrat name. It's it's well known around the state. And so I think they were trying to say, you know, we need to have someone in there, not necessarily to run as a running mate, but that would be the kind of person who would attract uh, independent expenditures that would bring money into the state for this congressional race. And if the Democrats yeah. are really going to put a push on to to take over the House of Representatives, they need to win this race in North Dakota. And and uh, Max Schneider probably was their best opportunity to do so. So I don't think it's, you know, pick me up as a running mate, but it brings the independent expenditure dollars in. And those dollars kind of 
combine with the Senate race campaign dollars for Democrats and get Democrats out to the polls, you know, get some excitement going in the campaigns. Um, that's the strategy. Uh, unfortunately, we haven't seen that unfold. So um, I don't know if the Democrat Party has decided that there, you know, there's no way that um, Max Schneider can win, and so they're not putting money in the race. I, you know, I don't know all those situations, but um, I think that was the strategy. I don't think that strategy has played out. Now, do you um, let's let's switch over to the Senate race now. Um, I mean, that's I think that's the hot question on everybody's mind. Every everybody I talk to politically, I mean, that's that question comes up in the conversation. How do you things? How do you see things going in the Senate race? Where's that at, race at right now? And honestly, I think at this point, I'm just throwing my hands up in the air. I don't know. Um, there's so many variables. I mean, these are two extremely skilled candidates. Uh, they're both very gregarious. They both have a lot of appeal. They both have basically 100 percent name identification. So. Uh, you know, at this point, I, I I don't know. Is that how you're? How are you seeing this race? Yeah, I think I think at this point in time, from a from a contrast standpoint, from a public service standpoint, from an acceptance with the voters standpoint, it's pretty even. Um, you know, the one thing we know now after going through the summer is that both of them hate veterans. Uh, both of them want to save health care. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, it's like we we don't know what's going on out there, and I'm hoping now that the campaign from now until the election will give us some attributes of the candidates. What do they believe in? What do I want to do? Not beating up the other person for not doing this or that. You know, how am I going to represent you in Washington, D.C.? How am I going to vote? What are my, what's my philosophy? You know, am I a government person or a business person? Am I in or am I out? Am I, you know, what is the philosophy that I carry? That's how I'm going to make a decision to vote. Now, I know Kevin Kramer. Um, I, he, he worked in the Schaefer administration in the 90s. He, you know, he's been uh, very involved in the political scene ever since. And, um, I, and I know Kevin enough, and I know Heidi enough, because I worked with her for eight years when I was in the Capitol. So I'm going to vote for Kevin Kramer. But I want people to understand that, you know, we need to, to build the differences between these two people. Who do you want in Washington, D.C.? You know, who do you want? Which party are you going to represent? Do you want Chuck Schumer representing you? Do you want Mitch McConnell representing you? You know, who's going to tell you how to vote? Who's going to say, well, it's okay to vote for this one, Heidi, because, um, you know, we're going to lose it anyway, or we've got enough votes anyway. So, you know, you vote that if, that way if it looks better for you in the, in the, in the um, uh, state. So, and, and Kevin's the same thing. He's part of the Republican leadership in the House. You know, he knows everybody. They're going to say, this is the Republican stance. This is where we're going to be. So when it comes to push versus shove, when it's down to the critical vote and you need one to get over the line one way or the other, I want to know who they're going to be voting with. And for me, of course, as a conservative, um, you know, I want him to be vote with the conservative values. And knowing both candidates, I'm, I know that's Kevin Kramer. But that, those are the issues. You know, whether they both love veterans or hate veterans, isn't the point public service how are they going to move forward how are they going to vote for the people of north dakota yeah. and reflect north dakota values that's who's going to win the election the one that wins the hearts and minds of the voters well it's just unfortunate that so much of it boils down to that because i don't think either of them hate veterans and i don't think either of them want to ha hurt the elderly or or push people out or, or all the, the vicious rhetoric that's going on right now uh unfortunately from the campaigns and and perhaps even more so from from third party groups, uh, I, I I think really it's it's what you're saying, Ed, which is it's it's about contrasting 
idea contrasting philosophies towards how to address veterans, how to address you know senior needs, how to how to address uh, you know the budget. I mean, it's it's contrasting philosophies. I think both Heidi Heitkamp and Kevin Kramer generally want things to go well for North Dakota. They want things to go well for our country. I don't think either of them's a bad actor. I think they just have differing points of view, and I I, I agree with you. I'd like to hear more about that. Um, it's, it's been interesting. Do you think, because I hear this a lot from Democrats where, and, and even Senator Heitkamp herself, where they're talking all the time that Kevin Kramer is going to vote a hundred percent with Donald Trump, right? And Heidi comes out and she goes, I, in fact, one of her recent ads where she says, you know, I'm not going to vote with anybody a hundred percent of the time. That's just not me. I mean, that's been their big knock on Kevin Kramer is that he's too much of a, of a Trump loyalist. Uh, do you think that's getting any traction with people? Uh, you know, I don't. I, I don't think it's getting any traction, and, I'm, and I think that's a concern for the Heitkamp camp campaign, which is why they're pushing it, because, you know, she's been trying to position herself as a voter for Trump, that, you know, she's going to be with him, that she's going to vote for him, because that's where North Dakotans are. North Dakotans want this president to reduce their taxes, to reduce the interference of government in our lives, to remove regulations so that we can invest in our community better. You know, to to solve some of the issues with immigration that we have that are sucking up the money, that are raising the cost of, of our uh, government. You know, those are the things that people are looking for. So I think the Heid, Heidi Heitkamp campaign is sitting there saying, you know, we, we had to figure out a way to nudge Kevin off of all this attachment to the president because North Dakotans want those things. I can't vote with him 100 percent of the time. My caucus, my Democratic caucus, is never going to let me vote for them all the time, especially when it comes down to critical and needed issues. So I got to push Kevin Kramer out of the Trump thing. Um, Kevin, Kevin, look, Kevin's a public servant. He's going to represent the people of North Dakota. If there's an issue for... Um, that that President Trump is pushing, and it's in front of the Senate, and it's bad for North Dakota. Kevin's going to vote for North Dakota if he if the president's got an issue out there that's good for North Dakota, and it's in front of the Senate. Kevin's going to vote with the president. So you know, I think that it's all about I, 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 North Dakota. Who's yeah. going to carry North Dakota in their heart? I have no doubt that Kevin Craner is going to vote for what's best in North Dakota, and yeah. not for President Trump. Well, I feel like we got an example of that with the whole Koch brothers thing, right? Well, you know, it was big, big national headline news that the Koch brothers weren't going to support Kevin Kramer or endorse him or whatever in the Senate race. And Kramer's response to that was, listen, they asked me to come out and oppose the farm bill. I'm not going to oppose the farm bill. That's bad for North Dakota. Um, I, I, I mean, to me, I, I feel like that's an example right there. Like, you know, instead of, uh, I, I think the Democrats have invested a lot of money in, in messaging in the idea that like groups like the Koch brothers are these evil puppet masters and that people like Kevin Kramer are just doing whatever they're told. Well, there's an example right there. Um, Kramer put North Dakota's interests ahead of, of what the, you know, the, the Koch, they, they came, according to Kramer, they came and asked him to oppose the farm bill in order to get their endorsement. He said, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah, and you and you've got it on the other side too. I mean, you have George yeah. Soros that pounds millions of dollars. This Steiner guy out in California, millions of dollars, you know, into the Democrat Party. And when they knock on the door and say you have to vote this way, that's the question: Are you or aren't you? And you know, uh, Kevin, you give a good example. I, I believe Kevin is going to vote for uh, what's right for North Dakota, and. Um, you know, if that is a ramification with the president, if his if his support for the president is uh, judged on that, 
uh, you know, then then he won't vote for the president. He's going to vote for North Dakota. And in 2012, Heidi Heitkamp won by a margin of just a few thousand votes. It was a margin. It was it was less than one percent of the total vote. That was her margin of victory. I always felt like that race in 2012, it came down to personality. I think it came down. Now, I know Rick Berg. I like Rick Berg. I think he's a very nice man. I think he would have made a great United States senator. Uh, but I think I think on the campaign trail, people just liked Heidi more. How important is that in this race? How, how important is that that personal factor? Because North Dakota, we're, we're, we're a medium-sized town in the shape of a state. Uh, we like to have a personal relationship with our members of Congress. And that's a little unusual, I think, looked at from a national lens. But that's just how things are here. How much is the likability factor going to be a factor in this race? I think the likability is a big factor. Um, Heidi Heitkamp is, uh, you know, very personable. She's smart. She's capable. She's a great campaigner. She's out and about all the time, and people respond to that. Kevin Kramer is with people all the time. He's holding town hall meetings. He's on the radio. He's interacting with people. He's a, he's a you know, pleasant, easygoing, happy-go-lucky guy to be with. Um, those personalities, you know, are really important. And I and personally, I think that that the Heidkamp campaign is trying to contrast that because there's that underground nibbling, you know, the cafe talk and the elevator conversations and those kinds of things where they're saying, uh, you know, that 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 uh, Kevin Kramer's kind of stiff and kind of background, you know, back uh, back office, and he really isn't that comfortable with people, and you know that. Street talk is out there, and I think that street talk is being generated by the Heitkamp campaign. Again, to contrast and try to try to say I'm really great and he's not. So, but yeah. you can't tell me that Kevin hasn't been out there with the people, and people know him and like him. They've voted for him. He's he's represented them well, and I, I think that um, that I don't think they'll be able to paint that contrast. We got a caller, Darren. Got a couple minutes left. What's up, Darren? Uh, hi, Governor. Uh, I had a question on integrity. I was going to save it for Senator Con- or Congressman Conrad, but uh, there's nobody I respect more in North Dakota than Ed Schaefer. So, uh, in 2012, I voted for Heidi, partly because Rick Berg was doing everything he could to lose the race and and other <laughs> factors. But she said she said that she was uh, she wouldn't vote for long-term abortion. Now, independent on how you feel about abortion. She she lied to us, and I can't vote for her this time. Well, you make a good point, Darren. Um, and there again, are you going to represent North Dakota or not? Now, she um, isn't in Massachusetts. You know, she's not in New York, uh, places that have the strong stances on abortion. In North Dakota, I think the populace is basically pro-life, and especially when you're looking at uh, the vote that she made, the critical vote uh, that she made, where she went off and high-fived Chuck Schumer, the, the leader, the Democratic leader of the Senate, because they won the vote, which was to stop um, late-term abortions. And, yeah. I mean, who can argue with a late-term abortion? Fine, we can argue about whether to abort, you know, I don't believe in it, but you can have those arguments, whether before you have a heartbeat or before you have a brain waves or, you know, those kinds of things. But but I'm telling you, who, there's nobody that can argue you are taking the life of someone, and Heidi voted against that. Senator Heidkamp voted against the ban on late-term abortions, and not only did she vote at, against it, she jumped up on the Senate, ran over, and high-fived 
the, the, the Democratic minority leader because, you know, her vote was critical in defeating that yeah. deal. I, I don't think and, that fits with North Dakotans. I don't think it works with North Dakotans. And, and Darren, you, you, you're making a good point. You said she wouldn't, and she did. And, and, and just to add to that, I had, I had actually forgotten this. In 2012, she campaigned against late term she she said she said that, that it shouldn't be legal i mean that was she said on the campaign trail she's on the record saying late term abortion should be legal that was her stance the last time she was on the ballot since then uh she voted to keep them legal so i mean you know that's well, that's a pretty big that's a pretty big flip-flop go ahead we got about 30 seconds and, and, okay and that's my point rob um it isn't whether you're going to vote with president trump or this and that it isn't whether you're going to vote for north dakotans or not what it boils down to is are you going to vote with the Democrat Party, when they come up and say, we need your vote, or are you going to vote for North Dakotans? Are you going to vote with the Republican Party when they come up and they say, we need your vote, or are you going to vote for North Dakotans? That's yeah. the issue, and that's how they play the game in the halls of Washington, D.C. Ed, thanks for your time. Thanks, Rob. Good to be with you. Hello to your listeners. Yep, thank you. That's Ed Schaefer, former governor. This is the Rob Report, 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report, 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM. Not a lot of time here. We went a little long with uh, with the former governor, Ed Schaefer. Uh, but uh, interesting stuff, interesting stuff about the uh, Senate race. I think he's, uh, I think he's exactly right. Uh, I, th- I think it does come down in a lot of ways to just how people are, are people going to support. I, I, I don't know how much appetite there is out there, Eric, for people who are just sort of hard bitten partisans. And it's it's tough because I think people a lot of times confuse party loyalty with with ideology and they're not necessarily the same thing. Right. I mean, I would I would say ideology is is like basically your policy stances. Right. Sure. I believe this on this issue because I believe this. I mean, that's that's what it is. And so the, the question then is, will you be willing to, to, to stick to what you said? You know, for instance, what you campaign on the campaign trail versus how your party needs you to vote at the national level. And honestly, I, I think that's I realize that the abortion issue isn't everybody's cup of tea. A lot of people uncomfortable with that issue. But I think Senator Heitkamp campaigning against late, you know, saying late term abortion should be legal in 2012 and then voting to keep them legal once she's elected to office. I think that's a problem for her. So anyway, uh, coming up next, Congressman Kevin Kramer, he'll take your questions. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back to Rob Report 970, WDAY AM 93.1 FM, 701-293-9000. 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Congressman Kevin Kramer uh, on with us now. So if you want to get your questions in, those are the numbers to call. You can also email us, talk at WDAY.com. You can send us tweets, at Rob Port. Uh, or I got an uh, open thread going on Facebook. Uh, you can check that out. A lot of people asking questions there as well. Congressman's on with us now. Uh, Kevin, how you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. It's been it's kind of a big committee day in in uh, Washington. So as you probably noticed, we had the first meeting of the Farm Bill uh, Conference Committee this morning, and that that was interesting. I, I enjoyed it immensely. Learned a lot. Listened to a whole lot of opening statements, and I think the committee has been set up for success. Hopefully, and there seems to be a lot of commitment to that. And now, Rob, interestingly, you'd probably enjoy this more than I would, but um, Jack Dorsey is testifying in our Energy and Commerce Committee uh, hearing right now on on Twitter and algorithms and bias and privacy and all the things that we've gone over, of course, previously, or similar things anyway, that we've gone over previously 
um, with uh, the CEO of Facebook, as you know. And um, it's it's for somebody who just sort of loves the open space and and, and freedom of expression. I, I find myself. Um, just sort of enjoying the whole conversation and frankly still searching for uh, a landing spot and how you appropriately monitor, um, you know, freedom of expression and, and at the same time, I guess, uh, police to some degree decency and uh, obviously yeah. uh, privacy. Well, I think, so it's, it's, I, I, it's, honestly, I, I think the social media companies are, are struggling with the same thing. I, and I could tell you as somebody who's run a political forum now for 15 mm-hmm. years, it's not easy. And I've always sided with I'm I'm going to let the comments roll because uh, the problem is is once you say okay well I'm going to apply a standard here well now you're a referee and now you are never going to apply a standard that's going to make anybody happy uh, it's just like everybody hates the umpire at a baseball game um, you know nobody nobody <laughs> likes the person who's who's trying to apply a standard it's not an easy place for anybody to be um, I I just I but like you I, I was glad and I heard some of Senator Rubio's comments uh, earlier today as well. Uh, mm. I would rather I, I I would appreciate some reticence before the government wading in and trying to fix this problem. I'm I'm afraid the fix might be worse than the problem we have now. Well, and that's exactly what I told Mark Zuckerberg when he was in front of us at Facebook, and and I do worry about that because I I frankly. I frankly think the public polices itself fairly well. You know, obviously we we have to police violence and and to a certain degree bullying and, and whatnot, depending on you know the age of people and all those kinds of things, Rob. But by and large, the marketplace I think works pretty well. It is interesting. I have to even confess this, just between you and me and several thousand of our closest friends. But I even find myself as a conservative, I think, sort of realizing that conservative politicians probably don't utilize the social media as well as liberal politicians. Now, that's, that's not Mark Zuckerberg's fault or, or you know, anybody else's. It's, it's, uh, it's not Jack Dempsey's fault or Dorsey's fault. It's, it's um, you know, that's probably our fault. Uh, on the other hand, um, you know, it's up to us to, to probably learn it better. So I don't know. I, I, I'm like you. I'm very cautious about um, – getting into the regulatory discussion uh and uh, yeah. i i don't think it's bad to bring them in front when they have a when they have platforms that are so large that they really do sort of constitute a, a monopoly of sorts um it's okay to bring them in every now and then and question them and have a public very public discourse like you have in front of a congressional committee but i i think we need to be you know i think we should tread carefully uh put yeah it that way. i think it's one thing to use the bully pulp a little bit maybe a little different thing to get into uh the area sure. of, of making policy all right let's get to the questions uh on twitter Luke's got a question about a, a an ad that you just started running mm. today, featuring two of your uh, two of your your lovely daughters. Uh, but mm-hmm. Luke writes, he goes, "I'm curious about what kinds of responses he's had to his latest abortion TV ad. Even though I'm pro life, I think this is a poor ad and will rub many people the wrong way. Using his pregnant daughter as a political prop is very bad taste, in my opinion." Um, well, we've had very favorable responses to it, actually. And and to be honest, to be very clear. My daughters are adults. They have their own opinions. And my pregnant daughter is not a prop. My pregnant daughter is a pregnant mother. And I think therein lies the rub that some people have with this issue. They want to say they're pro-life, but stand on the other, you know, stand on the other side of it. Because as long as they can sort of deny that what we're talking about at, you know, when a child is pain-capable and not yet born, that killing them is okay because they're not, after all, really a child. I think what the ad does is it illustrates in a very clear way 
um, what it is we're talking about when we're talking about a late-term abortion, a pain-capable abortion. And we don't like to oftentimes be confronted with that, that graphic of truth. Now, there are more graphic ways to demonstrate it, of course, and, and uh, we wouldn't want to go there. There are some things that are inappropriate for TV. Um, but no, my, my daughters are willing participants in helping spread the pro-life message in my strong pro-life position. Yeah, 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. All right, Patrick from Facebook asks, why hasn't he focused on reducing the federal deficit as he promised when he was first elected? So, um, you know, since I got to Congress, the deficit's come down considerably, actually. Um, the biggest challenge, of course, with reducing the deficit lies on the mandatory side of the ledger. Um, the discretionary side is where we've found all of the savings so far. Of course, the discretionary side is less than than uh, one-third of the overall budget. And um, when it comes to dealing with the mandatory side uh, of the ledger, that's, you know, the programs like Social Security, um, Medicare, uh, Medicaid, uh, food stamps. And by the way, with regard to food stamps and SNAP program, we in the House of Representatives have passed some reforms, uh, both in the current Farm Bill and in the new Farm Bill that we're now debating in conference committee so that um, we can we can deal more on that mandatory side. But there's not been a, a strong political will, frankly, in either party to deal with uh, the mandatory side. But that's not to say we shouldn't keep trying and, you know, hopefully we get close enough to the last election and far enough away from the next one that we can get some people serious to seriously talking about it. Otherwise, what's going to happen is we're going to come up on insolvency on those programs, and then uh, they'll be forced cuts, and we don't want to have to do that. Caller, Tom, you're on. What's your question for Congressman Kramer? Oh, Tom, you there? All right. Well, we must have something going on with Tom. All right, we'll come back to that. Uh, let's go back to Facebook. Kurt asks, if voters in North Dakota pass uh, medical marijuana laws, decriminalizing marijuana laws, and or legalizing marijuana laws, will he honor the people of North Dakota's wishes and help them bring them into effect? And if given the opportunity, would he vote to reflect those wishes on the federal level? Okay, I'm not sure I got all of that, but so we do have, we did pass medical marijuana, and I've always been a supporter, frankly, of medical marijuana in Congress. Um, I've also always been a supporter of states' rights. I do think, however, I think if I understand what what his point he's trying to make is, is if that if North Dakota passes a legalization of recreational marijuana, will that will that be reflected in my votes in Congress? I I personally believe I'm first of all just so everyone knows full transparency, I'll be voting against the measure that's on the North Dakota ballot. That said, I support um, North Dakota being able to do it. We still have to have a federal some sort of a federal solution because what we I don't think what we can have is. Um, if we have federal laws that don't reflect state laws or the wishes of states, um, we really create more more illegal activity than legal activity. And by that I mean, for example, in, in our banking system, if you look at you look at um, Colorado, you have an all cash legal industry, so to speak. It's legal at state level, illegal federally, so you don't you don't have FDIC insurance and banking, and so you really create more of a problem. And you do uh, a solution. And so it's going to take everybody involved, including law enforcement at, at every level, both on the ground at the highest levels, to help make get it, you know, help us get it right. But I do think there has to be a federal solution. Um, but it's going to take, you know, it's going to take everybody, obviously, to, to be in on the discussion. Uh, Larry asks, why does he have to have a mudslinging ad every five minutes? Uh, it's getting real old both ways. 
Um, I wish I could have an ad every five minutes, but I can't afford that many ads. Um, this is what's so nice about, uh, I think, people in North Dakota have this opportunity to compare two voting records. And so uh, right now we're running an ad on my pro-life position, contrasting it with Senator Heitkamp's anti-life position. Um, that's what we have the opportunity in this election to have two members of Congress running against each other who have the exact same days in the exact same Congresses so they get to compare the actual issues. Um, one thing you'll notice is none of my ads have ever attacked anything uh, regarding Senator Heitkamp other than her voting record. So, yeah, we're going to draw some contrast. That's important. She's an incumbent. I'm challenging her. Um, but we get to draw that contrast with actual votes. Daniel asks, why does Congressman Kevin Kramer vote for insurance and energy companies to make more every time? How much does he get from those companies in campaign and or side deals? So insurance company, I'm not sure really what he's getting at there. Um, uh, you know, it's uh, with regard to energy companies, uh, energy companies, farmers, small town retailers, manufacturers, um, insurance companies, uh, I want all of them to make a lot more money. I don't think there's any question. I want I want North Dakota workers to make a lot more money. Um, I want North Dakota and I want our country to be continue to be the strongest economy in the world. And right now our economy is on a rocket ship trajectory in this country. And North Dakota has helped lead the way because of its treatment of, of both small and large businesses, which is also why we have high standard of living, but uh, also a high quality of life in our state. So I'm for, I'm for everybody making a lot more money. And I think my donations uh, to my campaigns reflect that in the diversity of people I get it from. I don't get a lot of Wall Street money uh, from New York. I don't get a lot of Hollywood money from California. Uh, I get a lot of contributions from North Dakota, but also from other, uh, other interests that have a lot of interest in, in, uh, in North Dakota's economy. Uh, it's, uh, it looks like we got, we got a couple minutes left and it looks like we got Tom back. Tom, we got to be quick. What's up? Hey, Tom. Okay, well, I guess first of all, he's supporting Neil, uh, or excuse me, Kavanaugh. And uh, you agree with Kavanaugh's stance that saying that uh, President Trump should not be able to be, uh, he's above the law, basically. Do you agree with that stance? <laughs> well, first of all, I've never heard but say that President Trump's above the law or that anybody's above the law. Um, so. No, I don't. I wouldn't agree with that stand, but I also don't believe that's Brett Kavanaugh's stand. I do strongly support him because he has opined on many cases relevant to North Dakota, directly relevant to North Dakota. The overreach of the EPA, in particular, the rights of states uh, to uh, to have uh, you know jurisdiction over their own natural resources as opposed to the federal government. Um, you know the right to uh, to the Second Amendment right to, to bear arms. He's been very strong on. So he's he is absolutely right on nearly every topic. Everything I've ever studied on him, he's been right on for North Dakota. So I, I definitely support him, and there's no reason not to support him. Uh, just asking real quick about the. I'm sure you've watched. We, we got about 30 seconds, 60 seconds here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure you've watched the the hearings unfold at, at that setting. There's been a lot of protests, a lot of obstruction. Your thoughts on mm-hmm. that process? Well, I haven't seen. I actually haven't watched any of it. I've seen a little bit of news coverage on it, and uh, I certainly see all the uh, text messages that come my way from the United States Capitol Police telling me to avoid certain areas because of protest activity. Um, I also saw the story that Chuck Schumer actually organized it in a conference call with all the Democratic members of the Senate, and I find that. Uh, tragic, frankly. That's not, that is not how the upper chamber should be conducted. Um, activism is one thing, and I'm all about activism, but when it has to be coordinated with the Senate uh, Democratic leader, I think it's rather tragic. Real quick, Dwayne asks if you've read Bob Woodward's new book yet. I'm, I'm guessing, I don't even know that it's out yet, so I'm guessing you probably haven't. <laughs> I, I have not. I, it was just brought to my attention yesterday. My friend David Scott um, from Georgia, I, I, uh, 
Democratic colleague of mine from Georgia who uh, we talked about each other today, actually, in the conference committee on, on uh, the Farm Bill, uh, brought it to my attention, but I've not seen it. Uh, it was the first yeah. I'd heard about it. Yeah, I don't honestly, I don't even, I, I think there's some excerpts out. I don't think it's out yet. Kevin, thanks for your time. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Rob. Bye-bye. It's Congressman Kevin Kramer. This is Rob Report. We'll wrap things up right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back. Rob Port 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM. Mark, or excuse me, what am I saying, Mark? I'm, re- I'm, I'm too busy reading Twitter here at the same time. The Jay Thomas Show is uh, straight ahead. You want to stay tuned for that because Jay's awesome, always does a great show. Uh, one last, I was just I was just reading uh, Twitter and everybody's, uh, you see this thing where everybody's like destroying their Nike gear now? Not everybody, but I guess people upset at Nike doing business with Colin Kaepernick. Yep. So they're, they're like burning their shoes or whatever. Yes. Do you realize how stupid? I mean, I, I get being upset. Like Colin, I, I think the way Colin Kaepernick's gone about this is it's been polarizing. I don't agree with the way he's protesting. I do agree with some parts of his overall message about police brutality and stuff. But why, who, who do you think? You're hurting when you're destroying the Nike shoes you already bought. Right. You already paid for them. So like they, they, they already made their money. This giant multi-billion dollar corporation already made their money off you. I had, right? a, I had a friend last night who posted on Facebook. He said, hey, if you're looking to get rid of your Nike gear, I'm an extra large size 11 and a half yeah, shoe. Send them my way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Other people are saying, I, somebody just tweeted at me. He goes, yeah, correct. Sell your Nike items on eBay. There you go. That's the way to do it. Put it on eBay. Make yourself a little money. And, uh, you know, I guess if, if that's your choice and you don't want to do business with Nike anymore in the future, that's, that's fine. But for crying out loud, don't just burn this stuff up, you idiots. All right. Jay Thomas Show straight ahead. You can always catch me here uh, Monday through Friday. 12 to 2 p.m. on 970 WDYM 93.1 FM, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at SayAnythingBlog.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.